share. Uh, he is uh, not only my brother, but one of my favorite ministers on the planet. I, I always enjoy receiving the word of God from him. How many came expecting to receive a word from God today? Not a man, but from God. Well, hold up your Bible or whatever you use for your Bible. I want to lead you in a confession. We say this to shape our week. The Bible teaches us to meditate his word day and night. So with that in mind, say this out loud. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible, so I make this as a confession that I will meditate therein both day and night on a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening, Monday through Friday. And because I do, my life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for this, another opportunity to minister to these, your sheep. I believe you've given me a message. I believe what you've given me is for us today. So we ask that you enlighten the eyes of our understanding. We pray that your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, will shine big and bright on the inside of our hearts today. Give us an ear to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us today. And let us be doers of that word and not hearers only. We give you, Father, all the glory for what will be done today and in our lives as a result of this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, we're looking at the book of Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30 through 32. In the New Living Translation, it says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether the grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. If you want to buy back the Lord's tenth or tithe of the grain or, or the fruit, you must pay its value plus 20%. Verse 32 says, count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord as holy. The question that we have been asking through this series for over a month now, and I'm getting close to the end. I think we should be done next week. Is does your tithe belong to God? It's a, it, it was a tough series, but it, it's been, for me, very enjoyable, um, very realistic. I mean, the Bible says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. But our question is, does your tithe, does, does 10% of your income belong, whether you give it to him or not, does it belong to God? As a Christian, that is a question that should be asked. For many of us, it does. And what we've learned through this series that it does only if we dedicate it to him. Hence the title, Dedicated. So we've endeavored to encourage you. You don't have to tithe. The children of Israel did. Under the law, every Israelite 
was supposed to take a tenth of their income and give it to the Lord, set it apart and take it to the temple, give it to the priests and worship God with their tithes and with their offerings. If you go through the New Testament, not one time in the New Testament are we commanded. There are commands in the New Testament. We're commanded to love one another as he has loved us. You think that if it was a command today that he would have made it abundantly clear in the New Testament that we're commanded to. Truth is, we're not commanded to. Now, is tithing in the New Testament? Absolutely. And we've been looking at it through this series. And man, I'm telling you, I've just really been enjoying what we've seen because it's true. Sadly, for years, decades, probably centuries, preachers, churches have taught that if you don't tithe, you're under a curse and that you're commanded to tithe. And what we've been seeing is something that's different. You should tithe. Jesus said you ought to. How many of y'all know when Jesus said you should do something, you should do it? He's smarter than us, right? And if he says you ought to do something, you ought to. But that also means that you don't have to. So you don't have to tithe, just like you don't have to pray, just like you don't have to come to church. And there's a lot of things that you don't have to do, right? But we've been endeavoring to find out from the, God, uh, from the word of God his word, his will concerning this matter. The goal of this series is simply to help you and I see from the word of God how and why we should dedicate 10% of our income to the Lord and what happens as a result. So hopefully you've been learning how you should do it. You sh- you sh- you, we should have been learning why we should do it. And then we should also learn what happens as a result of doing it. And I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to present this. You know, you think that people, the attendance would go down and, you know, things would would change because people don't really want to hear churches talk about money. But just the opposite has happened. You know, the attendance has gone up and you all have made this really easy for me to preach. Amen. So far, we have covered that you don't have to tithe. You get to tithe. It's a privilege. We've seen that in order for it to become his, you actually have to dedicate it. And until you dedicate it, it remains yours. But once you do like Abraham did and Jacob did, once you dedicate it, then it belongs to him. They were commanded under the law, but Abraham and Jacob, simply out of honor, dedicated it to him without a commandment and that's how we do it then Jesus tells us that we should tithe and we covered that and if you're not yet tithing you should amen and we gave you three reasons why you should number one you we said that you should tithe because it's an act of honor it's honoring God number two we said that you should tithe if you value the blessing. And then number three, you should tithe because God shows no partiality. Then we answered the question last time I preached, is it that serious? Is tithing that serious? Is this issue of offerings, is it that serious? Well, ask Cain and Abel if it's that serious. Abel ended up dead because of an offering. Ask Judas 
and Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus, and it was over an offering. Jesus ended up dead because of the issue. And then also you could ask Ananias and Sapphira ended up dead over an offering. Well, today I want to talk about the fact that he receives them, then what? If you could put that up for me. He receives them, then what? I want to show you from the Word of God that Jesus, in the New Testament, as he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, for anyone and everyone that would bring a tenth of their income to God, he, phys- he, he receives them. And I also want to talk about what happens after he receives them. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 7 for the first part of this message. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 9 says this, For this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of everything that he had. First being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, talk about Jesus, remains a priest continually. Now consider how this great man, how great this man Melchizedek was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law that is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives even Levi who receives tithes paid tithes through Abraham so to speak now (laughs) I know you might feel like you need to go to Bible school in order to understand that passage of scripture well no I went to Bible school so you didn't have to unless you're supposed to amen and I can help you. First thing I want you to notice is the book of Hebrews is in your Bible. Somebody say, this is my Bible, right? It's in your Bible, and it's in the New Testament. And Hebrews chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 8 are two chapters committed to talk about tithing, and they're in the New Testament. So is tithing in the New Testament? Absolutely. And there's something that God is saying to us, the church, through Hebrews chapter 7 and chapter 8 that we're supposed to understand. And we're going to at least endeavor to look at a part of that today. So he's talking about Abraham. He's talking about tithing. I want you to notice in verse number 2 
that he says that Abraham gave a tenth part. And we looked at this story before where Abraham, his, his nephew Lot, had been taken by, he went along with Sodom and Gomorrah and the kings that came against Sodom and Gomorrah, took all of Sodom and Gomorrah, the possessions, and Abraham went to go get his nephew back. He prayed, he, he made a covenant before God, and God helped him defeat those armies and he brought back Lot, but in the old time, when you defeated an army, you took the stuff. You got the, 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 the lot, the booty. You, you got the possessions. And so Abraham came back with all of this stuff from, from this battle. And the first thing he did was took a tenth of it. So if there were a hundred sheep that were taken captive and he, 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 he took it as a result of the, the, the victory, then he would get, he took 10 of them and set them out for the priest. If there were camels that they used, if there were horses that were taken, if there were gold and silver and jewels and clothing, he took a tenth part and gave it to the priest of the Most High God as an offering, as an act of honor. And he told the, the priest, I made a covenant before God that I would give him a tenth of everything that comes into my hands. So in th that's Genesis chapter 14 and 18. But now in the New Testament, in Hebrews 7, he says, hey, you remember that story? And he brings it into the New Testament as a result. I guess you don't like what I was preaching, amen. <laughs> he says it again in the fourth verse. He says that Abraham gave him a tenth. He's talking about tithing. Now watch this. In verse 5, he tells us about tithing that the sons of, the, sons of Levi, they have a commandment to receive tithes. What's interesting is in the New Testament, he, he doesn't contrast it by saying we have a commandment. He specifically specifies they have a commandment. Oh, come on, this is good. So we know that the children of Israel under Levi, they were commanded to receive the tithe. But notice in verse 6, it also confirms what happens when you tithe. He says he received tithes from Abraham and did what? Blessed him. This also confirms that when we tithe, if we choose to tithe because we don't have to tithe, if we do, blessing is supposed to happen. I mean, it stirred up so big on the inside of me as I got ready to come today to speak this blessing that if you've brought, if you've brought your tithes in our office, if you are giving, I'm to tell you that something good is going to happen to you this week. I mean, when you wake up tomorrow, you ought to say it out loud. Something good is going to happen to me this week. You ought to go through your week. Something good is going to happen to me. I don't know. It's Tuesday. We didn't get down, get down to Wednesday. Oh, it's hump day. Something good is going to happen. And especially if something bad happens. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, God, you said through the pastor that something good is going to happen. I know this happened, but I'm believing something good is going to happen to me this week. When we give our tithes and offerings, blessing is supposed to be the result. So several things we've noted. It's in the New Testament. It's talking about tithing. He mentions Abraham, who was the first person on record who tithed. He acknowledges that the children of Israel were commanded to tithe, but Abraham didn't under a command. 
it confirms that blessing happens when tithes are received. But then I want you to look at verse 8. It says here in the New Testament, on earth, here and right now, mortal men, men, people who die, receive tithes. But there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. So the writer of the book of Hebrews brings tithing present into the New Testament. And he says, here and now, in the New Testament, on earth, people who die are still receiving tithes. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the pastors and the ministers. I'm a person, should the Lord tarry his coming, who will die. Uh, Each week, the church receives tithes and offerings, and I facilitate that, you know. Well, I'm a person who will die. The church receives the tithes and offerings. But notice what happens here, men that die receive tithes, but there, where? In heaven. He receives them. Somebody say, he receives them. Of whom it is witness that he lives. Who is it that we are going around telling all the world he's alive? I mean, when we get around the time that they call Easter, Resurrection Sunday, people put a little cross in their yard, and they say, he's risen, he's alive. We are witnessing Buddha may be dead and in a, in a, in a temple. Muhammad is in a grave. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, he's not there. The stone was rolled away. He is alive. So without, without any question, verse 8, is talking about Jesus. And let this resonate in your heart from this day forward, especially if you are a tither, that when we tithe, he personally, as a priest, as the priest of the Most High God, a priest, the the, the New Testament calls Jesus a priest after the order of Melchizedek. What was the order of Melchizedek? He received tithes and he blessed Abraham. In the same way, in the New Testament, today when I bring a tenth of my income, Jesus receives that and he blesses me in the same order. Now that that was worth coming to church for right there. He receives them. But then what? What happens after that. What does God do with the tithes and the offerings? He, you know, he's honored by it. And, you know, we go through the actual physical act. It's not like God, you know, I'm presenting this to you, but then I'm going to keep it then and use it for whatever I need. No, you, you're actually giving it away. And then here the men that die, they're receiving them. The organizations are receiving them. What, do, what does God do? What is the purpose of the tithe, and that's what we're going to look at today. That's a big question, and that's a good. What does the Bible say is supposed to happen with the tithes and the offerings that are given? In Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6 and 7, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. 
Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now we all know that in Malachi chapter 3, he is talking about tithing. The people had gotten away from it. I said to you all, most of the body of Christ does not tithe. Uh, you could even say the majority of the people that are a part of Faith Family Church don't tithe. I don't look at the records. I just know it in my heart because it's, 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 it's just a known fact that most people don't set apart 10% of their income and give it to churches and ministries. So in dealing with this subject, notice the first thing he says is I'm the Lord and I don't change. That's an important point. Now, we went from the Old Testament to the New Testament, but guess what? God didn't change. I said God didn't change. Was God honored when people tithed in the Old Testament? Yes. Did that change in the New Testament? No. Now, what changed was the command, but just like he was honored when Abraham chose to do it without a command, and just like he was honored when Jacob chose to do it without a command, in the New Testament, God is honored when people choose to do it without a command because God doesn't change. Did he bless and protect them as a result? Yes. Does he bless and protect us as a result of the tithe? And the answer is, class, you all are doing really good today. All right. But then he says something in the next verse. He says, therefore, you are not con consumed, O sons of Jacob, yet from the days of your fathers. What fathers of ours is he referring to? I know he's writing to the children of Israel, but if this is God speaking to me today, then what fathers is he referring to? I mean, my father's name is Stanley Scott the first. Um, I say that with a smile. We just visited my parents uh, over the Memorial Day weekend. And um, my son, if he ever hears me say my name, if I'm on the phone and I'm calling a business, you know, and I, I'll use my name. My name is Stanley, you know, this is Stanley Scott II. Can I speak to so-and-so? As soon as he hears Stanley Scott II, he says, my name is Stanley Scott III. <laughs> if, if we're out in public and I introduce myself to somebody, he'll just tell them, my name is Stanley Scott III. So we get there, and I, I told my, my dad and mom about that. And so my dad asked him, what's my name? He said, Papa. <laughs> he said, well, what's my other name? He said, Papa. <laughs> so for a couple of days, he tried to teach my son that his name is Stanley Scott I. Well, my dad's name is Stanley Scott. My, my grandfather's name is Owen Scott. My other grandfather's name was uh, Bernard Hogan. Uh, my great-grandfather's name was Bill Riggins or William Riggins. I don't know my other great-grandfather, but that's as far as I know. When I read the Bible, I need, it needs to be able to make sense. He says, from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinance and returned to me. What fathers is this verse referring to, and is it applicable to me? I'm glad you asked. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, in the New Testament, it says, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, 
not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Uh, I see the children went out to, uh, with our children's pastor to do some children's church ministry. And I can remember as a child singing in church, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one. Come on, you all remember that? Let's just praise the Lord right here, Father Abraham. And, you know, we'd have fun with that. And the, rea- the, the truth and reality of that song, according to the Bible, is Abraham is the father of everybody in this room. All of us came from Adam, but specifically, God wants you to know that Abraham is your father in the faith. Amen. So clearly then, this is applicable, but he didn't just say father, he said fathers. The New Testament calls Abraham the father of us all, and so, so many of us, like they did, have gone away from what their fathers had established, and we also have in the same way. The fathers he's referring to is both Abraham and Jacob. He calls us in the New Testament the sons of Jacob. Why Jacob above Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He doesn't call us the sons of Isaac. He calls us, just as we read in Malachi 6, 3 and 6, he called them the sons of Jacob. Why is Abraham and Jacob so symbolic in this? Is because they chose to do it out of simple acts of honor. In Malachi chapter 3, let's continue. Verse 10, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. We're looking at the question, he receives them, then what? Well, he says that the tithes are to be brought into the storehouse so that there may be food in God's house. He says, try me and now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Somebody say, this is about to get good. So that my house may be fully supplied. I mean, if we just took this and tried to interpret it in our natural mind, we would think that every church and ministry in the body of Christ needs to be a food bank. And that it's the job of the church to have food to give to the poor and to the needy. That is a great idea, but that's not God's idea when he says, so that there may be food in his house. Yes, Jesus receives them, but what does God do with the tithe? What is the purpose of the tithe? It is so that his house can be fully supplied. All right, that's good, but that doesn't really help me in an applicable sense. So is there more? The tithes and offerings support the Lord's house. This begins to tell us where the tithe goes. So once God receives the tithes in heaven, he uses the tithes for his work in the earth, for the work of the ministry, 
for the furtherance of the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Guess what? I thank God for Cy Fair School District. We are in a wonderful facility. I really like it. It's really cool. It's great. But they do not let us use this building for free. Costs thousands of dollars every month. Amen. To, to rent this for Saturday and Sunday. Saturday to set up and Sunday to use it. Electric companies don't provide electricity to churches and ministries that preach Jesus for, for free. Uh, car companies don't donate their cars. It'd be great. All of that would be great. How many of y'all think that would be great? If landowners would just give land to churches so they could do the work of the ministry. If car companies or air, airline companies would just provide so that the gospel could be preached in all the world. How many of y'all know it costs money to go into all the world to preach the gospel? So the tithes and offerings are, are set by God. He uses them in the earth for the work of the ministry. He wants to establish his covenant with people in the earth that don't have a covenant with God. Specifically, though, this verse said that there may be meat in my house. Let's get into that. What is the Lord's house? According to 1 Timothy 3 and 15, he says, But if, if I am delayed, I write so that you may know that you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. When you talk about bring all the tithes, there may be meat in my house or fully supplied. What is God's house? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly in 1 Timothy in the New Testament, the house of God is the church. Go back and look at it. The house of God, which is the what? Church. So now church, in, in this sense, is not only the local church, but there are other ministries that are preaching the gospel. So it includes churches and ministries in the body of Christ. So the church is the house of God, not a building. Not the physical facility. We are the body of Christ. Then according to Malachi 3 and 10, tithes and offerings are to be given to churches and ministries in the body of Christ. That means we shouldn't take our tithe and give it to an organization that isn't about the gospel. There are orphanages that take care of little kids and it's great that they take care of little kids, but if they're not preaching the gospel or if there are orphanages that other religions have, then the tithe doesn't belong in that house because that house is not God's house. Not saying it's wrong to support charities that are non-Christian. I'm just saying what the Bible indicates the tithes and offerings should be used for. Ooh, this is about to get good. Uh, thank God we can look at more than one verse of scripture in a church. Isn't that good? I know that I mean, this church may not be everybody's brand of church because, you know, some churches you look at a couple of verses, but we dig into it. Amen. Amen. Watch this. But what for? What is the purpose of the tithe? That there may be provision in the church. For what? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 14. The Old Testament set a precedent for the use of the tithe that we can learn from in the New Testament. This is Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 22, 28, and 29 out of the NIV. Be sure to set aside a tenth, talking about the tithe, of all your fields 
for, uh, of, of all that your field produce each year. Verse 28. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns. Why? So that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your town may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So let it be abundantly clear what the tithe was for in the Old Testament. He said, bring the tithes so that the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows can be provided for. Four groups, really it's two groups, because widows, fatherless, and foreigners, people that are displaced physically or fall under a financial hardship, those three can really fall under one category. In the Old Testament, the tithe was for the priests and the Levites and for people who were in financial hardship. Orphans, widows, and people who were displaced. What else can we see? In the book of um, Deuteronomy chapter 26, let me try to go fast. In verse 12, he says, when you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your, your produce in the third year, in the year of the tithe, you shall give to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 1, helps us a, a little bit with the word Levites. He says specifically, the priests and the Levites, both of them are all of the tribe of Levi shall have no part or inheritance in Israel, they shall eat of the offerings. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire, and they shall eat his, capital H, portion, talking about the tithe. So very clear. Look up at me for a moment. The, 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 the Levites, the priests and the Levites, they didn't own land. They didn't own businesses. They didn't have possessions. They served in the temple full time. They were wholly devoted to God. And so God's provision for them was through the tithe. He said, bring it so that they can have something to eat. And so when they offered those offerings to the Lord, the Lord received them. But then the Levites were able to feed their children and feed their wives, and feed their families with the grain and with the rice and whatever was produced. And then also they had provision for that that the group of financial hardship. Can I keep going or y'all want me to quit? Look at Deuteronomy 12 and, and 19 and Amplified. He says, take heed not to forsake or neglect the Levite, God's minister, as long as you live in your land. To summarize, the tithes and offerings were for the temple. The priests, Levites, the orphans, widows, and strangers and remember, God doesn't change, right? So today, tithing is for, tithes and offerings are for the physical facilities, the ministers and the helpers, and God's people who are in need or in lack, that group of financial hardship. Why do I say this? You know, um, uh, go to Numbers chapter 18. Let me give you one more. <laughs> uh, in Numbers chapter 18, so again, Two groups, priests and Levites, and then this financial hardship. 
um, my salary is provided by Faith Family Church. When I moved here from Jacksonville, Florida, I moved a business here, Landscape Company, so that as a new church, I wouldn't have to, you know, uh, draw upon the church from a salary in order to support myself because, I mean, it's just starting from scratch. There's no members, nothing. So I knew I needed to work. I mean, Paul had an example of that when he made tents. You know, he worked with his own hands. Um, But it wasn't up until 2019 when the Lord impressed upon my heart to sell that landscape company after 12 years from 2007 to 2019 and to only be supported by the church. For most of the history of Faith Family Church, I've had two jobs. One as your pastor and one as a landscaper. (laughs) And so that I wouldn't be a burden upon the church. But the way God wants it is so that the ministers and those that help in the church can be supported so they don't have to go out and get other jobs, as well as people who find um, themselves in hardship be supported as well. Let the church say amen. amen. So in Deuteronomy chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 18 and verse 26 and 28, God says, speak to the Levites and say to them, When you receive from the Israelites the tithe I give you as inheritance, you must present a tenth of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Verse 28 says, in that way, you also will present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites, and from the tithes you must present the Lord's portion to Aaron the priest. This paints a picture that even the ministers and those who are supported through the church because of their work, they should also tithe. How many of y'all know I shouldn't be preaching that you should tithe, but then I myself as the pastor not tithe? Amen. My wife makes sure that it happens. Every time we receive a salary check from the church, we always turn around and give a tenth of it back to the Lord. Why? Because that's what God told them in the Old Testament, that the Levites and the priests are to tithe from the tithes that they received. Amen? Amen. What are we saying? The, the Levites, they did all the natural work. They, they didn't have a physical facility in one spot. They literally set up a tent like we do. And they would, as they moved, they would have to break that down and carry it. There were some carpenters that were Levites. There were some tent makers, there were some woodworkers and metal workers, there were some singers. Anybody that did anything in the temple was supported by the offerings of the people. They were, as the New Testament calls it today, the ministry of helps. The priests offered the sacrifices, that was the spiritual stuff, but the Levites did all the physical stuff. Should both groups tithe? Yes. And I say that because sometimes people volunteer at the church and their thought is, I don't know that they have told me this, but their thought is, that's my tithe to the Lord. My time is my tithe. What God told them was to take 10% of what you're given and give it to God. Can I keep going? All right, look at Nehemiah. I'm smiling because this gets better. In Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 38 through 39, These are scriptures in your Bible that you may have never looked at, 
But I hope that they establish in your heart and mind what's supposed to be happening in the church. Look at this. Verse 38 says, And the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites. When the Levites receive the tithes, the Levites shall bring a tenth of the tithes to the house of God, to the rooms of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. So Nehemiah is exhorting the people and reminding them that when we bring the tithes, it's for the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the people who keep the gates and, and, and so forth. He said, and the singers are supported out of the tithe, and we are not going to neglect the house of our God. Did you know that even the ministry that helps the worship team should be supported by the tithes and the offerings of the church? I got one yeah and a couple of nods. And most people, that means like, I didn't know that. This has blessed me to no end. Brother Sherell, he plays the piano for us. And Brother Malcolm, he plays the drum. And just now, uh, last, over the last six-plus months, Brother John, uh, who's been playing the bass, they've not once asked for one dime. And for years, if I could be transparent or translucent, <laughs> for years I had a disposition concerning musicians and singers, particularly musicians, that they should come and give their gift to God as their reasonable service. And that if they wanted to be paid, that they were a hireling and their heart wasn't right. And I've been wrong. And I'm seeing from the word of God that what God intends. Uh, there's a great church here in Texas called Gateway Church. And they have a recording artist, or they had a recording artist on staff as their worship leader. How many of y'all would like a recording artist at Faith Family Church as our worship leader? Nobody? Okay, praise God. But think how, I mean, Carrie Job has written some of the most amazing songs. Uh, her and her husband, Corey, just recently wrote the song, The Blessing. The Lord bless you. I won't try to sing because I'm a preacher. Amen. <laughs> I think they're now at Elevation Church. You best believe that Gateway honors the gifting on their life by supporting them financially. And the Elevation Church, the, their, their singers, their, their musicians, and many, many others of great talents are supported and should be. It's real ministry. And faith family, we're taking a turn and we're going to new levels. Why? Because we got revelation from God. And you're going to begin to see. All of these years, they've not once asked anything. And as faith family is able, as we as a body get the revelation to honor God and the understanding of what he does with it, we're going to see things go from one level of excellence to another level of excellence to the glory of God. 
Let me give you a little bit more. Numbers, Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 44. Why are all these scriptures in the Bible? They're so we can learn something. At least I ought to get a better praise and worship from the praise and worship team. Come on. <laughs> and at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouse of the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions specified by the law for the Levites and the priests. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who minister. How many of y'all thank God for the word of God we get at Faith Family Church? And I do better as a full-time pastor than I did when I had to cut grass in the middle of the week. More revelation knowledge flows. I could be sharper and smarter in the things of God, and we can rejoice over that. Verse 45, both the singers and the gatekeepers who kept charge in their, who kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon his son, for in the days of David and Asaph of old, were, the ch were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And in the days of Zerubbabel, in the, in the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave the portions for the singers. Come on, worship team, y'all ought to say amen. amen. The gatekeepers, come on, ushers, y'all ought to say amen. amen. The setup team and the breakdown team, a portion for each day, they also consecrated holy things for the Levites. All the assistant pastors all to say amen. amen. The Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 10 and 11 and 12. He said, I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did their work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers, and I said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together, and I set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. What happened? As it is this day. Because people weren't honoring God with their substance, the house of God got neg neglected. So the priests weren't able to, to provide for them and the singers and the people that served and people that set up. And they went back and they were doing work out in the world so that they could have something to eat. And when Nehemiah heard it, he put them in their place. And I know this has been difficult for you to hear. You might feel like you went to class instead of church today. But God is setting us in our place. So that those of us who really honor the Lord can do what we're supposed to do so that the church can be fully supplied and the ministry can go to the next level. I close with the New Testament complement of what we've just seen in the Old Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul, as the apostle to the church, addresses the congregation for the same reason because the house of God had been neglected he says in verse 6 this is out of the um, complete Jewish Bible he says or of Barnabas and I this is Paul talking 
Are we the only ones required to go on working for our living? Did you ever hear of a soldier paying his own expenses? Or a farmer planting a vineyard without eating its grapes? Who shepherds a flock without drinking some of the milk? What I am saying is not based merely on human authority, but the Torah says the same thing that I'm saying. For in the Torah for of, Mos of Moses, it is written, you are not to put a muzzle on an ox when it, when it is treading out the grain. If God is concerned about cattle, all the more does he say, for this our sakes. Yes, it is written for us in the New Testament. Meaning that he who plows and he who threshes should work expecting to get a share of the crop. Do, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrifices offered there. In the same, if you could play something softly for me, in the same way, the Lord is directed that those who proclaim the good news should get their living from the good news. The Lord has directed it in the New Testament. So if you've ever wondered, what is the church doing with the money? It's for the priests and the Levites. It's for the strangers. It's for the, the fatherless. It's for the widows. Every year we give tremendous amounts in benevolence to people who fall upon God's people, not just people. People call the church all the time wanting help. And you talk to them, and they don't, they're not a part of this church. They're not a part of no church. But they're calling the church for help. Well, we're not a social organization. Oh, I didn't get no amens on that. We are not a social organization. We're not a community organization. We are for people of society. We are for the communities where we are, exist. But we're the body of Christ. Amen? It ought to be. It ought to be if everybody did their part. If everybody just received the revelation that when I dedicate a tenth of my income, he's going to cause me to increase and increase so far beyond, I'll never miss it. I'll never miss it. And he'll multiply it back to me. It ought to be that we have so much that comes in that not only are we able to do for God's people, we can, we can reach those who are just homeless without God and you know when churches and ministries of the gospel of Jesus, when organizations of the church reach the world, not only are we giving them food, but we're also giving them Jesus. That not only are we giving them clothes, we're giving them Christ. Not just something for their belly, but something for their spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 5 and 17 that the elders who rule well should be counted worthy of double honor, especially those that labor in, in the word and doctrine. Verse 18 says, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox who treads out the grain. 
and the uh, laborer is worthy of his wages. Um, I share it with you. I don't, you know, hesitate to share it publicly. Our uh, taxable income last year, which included our housing allowance, everything, what we received from Faith Family Church was $84,999. That's my wife and I included. Just split that in half because she's an MBA. She's got a master's in business administration. That's not really a lot. Actually, teachers, I'd be better off as a teacher in Cypher School District than I would working for the church if we were going by natural things. And at the same time, you take that $84,000, $85,000 that we received from the church and then put the ten, eleven, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 that we gave back to the church. It's like, Pastor Stan, how are you living? Amen. I'm living off my giving. <laughs> I'm doing very good, not because of the salary according to the flesh, but because I'm blessed, blessed beyond measure. Amen. But in the New Testament, he brings to bear, don't muzzle the workers of the church. Don't make things real tight for them. The laborer is worthy of his wages. I mean, we ought to be doing more than we're doing. And when we do, the Lord's blessing will be upon us. In Galatians 6 and 6, he says, Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher, contributing to his support. Does the New Testament talk about what happens with the tithe? Yeah. The Living Bible says in verse 6, those who are taught the word of God. How many of y'all were taught the word of God today? All right? Those who are taught the Word of God should help their teachers by doing what? Paying them. Amen. See, people got it all messed up in their mind. There are some people who attend churches and give, hardly give anything. And they'll be a part of a church for year after year after year. And really, it's because in their concept, they think that God should be giving to me. The church should be providing for me. And they don't see that God's got a system that he's established in the earth. Stand up on your feet. I want to show you Ezekiel chapter 44 and verse 28 because I'm about to do it. Ezekiel also addressed this matter. He says, and it shall be unto them for an inheritance. Again, talking about the priests and the work of God. He said, I am their inheritance, saith God. And you shall give them no possession in Israel. I'm their possession. They shall eat of the meat offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering and the, every dedicated thing, which is the dedicated thing is the tithe. That shall be theirs. He's talking about the priests, the Levites, and those that serve in the house of God. He says, they'll partake of those offerings. But look at verse 30. And the first of all the first fruits of all things, and every oblation, which is the tithe, of all, and every sort of your oblations shall be the priest. And you shall also give unto the priest the first of your dough, so that he may cause the blessing to rest in your house. This verse tells you what my job as a pastor or one in spiritual authority is. When you bring your tithes and offerings, I'm supposed to speak a blessing over you, a blessing over your marriage, a blessing over your children, 
a blessing over your finances, a blessing over your business and the work of your hand, that God's blessing may rest in your house. Did y'all get anything out of that today? Woo! Oh, man. He receives them, then what? Has to be on record. One of the toughest messages I've ever preached. But again, I want to thank you because I believe you've received it well. Amen. It may be that this series is the answer that you've been looking for. Maybe you've been dealing with some really hard things in your body. And God's talking to you about this subject. Maybe you've been dealing with some really hard things in your relationships and in your marriage. But God's talking to you about this. Could it be that the decisions that we make as we conclude this series, could it be that these decisions will open the windows of heaven and in every area, every desire of our heart, we'll experience the blessing of God? Will you bow your head with me? Peradventure, you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ. You have no covenant with God. If you were to die, you would go to hell. God loves you. He sent his only begotten son to you that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. Can I pray with you today? Extending you the opportunity to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want you to pray this out loud. Congregation, pray this with them so that we can all be in agreement. Say this, dear Heavenly Father, I do believe that Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God, that he died for me, bearing my sins for me, but I believe you raised him from the dead. He is alive. Come into my heart. Save me from my sins. Lord, I repent of all my sins, and I accept your offer of forgiveness. Therefore, I am saved. I'm born again. Heaven is